On today's episode, is wholesaling an ethical practice and does it ever make sense? Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? Are you spending money on leads that aren't converting? Well, Real Geeks is your solution. Find out why agents across the country choose Real Geeks as their technology partner. Real Geeks was created by an agent for agents. They pride themselves on delivering a sales and marketing solution so that you can easily generate more business. Their agent websites are fast and built for lead conversion with a smooth search experience for your visitors. Real Geeks also includes an easy-to-use agent CRM, so once a lead signs up on your website, you can track their interest and have great follow-up conversations. Real Geeks is loaded with a ton of marketing tools to nurture your leads and increase brand awareness. Visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod and find out why realtors come to Real Geeks to generate more business. Again, visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And now, on to our show. Welcome to Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And today is our monthly series called Closing Time with Chris Linsell from The Close. Now, this is a partnership between Keeping It Real and TheClose.com. Let me tell you about The Close. TheClose.com is the kind of real estate website designed to give agents, teams, and brokerages actionable strategic insight from industry professionals. They cover real estate marketing, lead generation, technology, and team building strategies from the perspective of working agents and brokers who want to take their business to the next level. Please visit theclose.com. That's theclose, T-H-E-C-L-O-S-E.com, and subscribe to their newsletter so you can get notified each time they publish an article. With us, as always, is Chris Linsell. He's a staff writer and real estate coach for The Close. Chris is The Close's resident expert on real estate topics ranging from marketing, lead gen, transactional best practices, and everything in between. He's a licensed agent in the state of Michigan. Chris has been part of hundreds of transactions from modest rural starter homes to massive waterside compounds. And when he isn't writing or coaching, you'll find Chris fly fishing or performing on the stage of his community theater's local production. Uh, Now, Chris, welcome once again to Keeping It Real. We're excited to have you. DJ, great to be back. Happy to be here. It's it's a big day. It's a big day. I don't know why, but it's just going to be a big one. Um, Today is going to be a big one. Whenever you're listening to this, it's going to be a big one. I just have a feeling 2022, it's here. I'm excited too, and we actually have some uh, some possible news about Chris uh, and our show, but we'll we'll tease that and, and hold that just for for the next time. Um, mm-hmm. We have some big big announcements coming um, mm-hmm. around Chris, but for now we want to talk about a topic that I believe uh, agents are are have been hearing more about in recent years. Uh, different states have different regulations around it. Some have license requirements, apparently others don't. So this is a mileage may vary based on where you're practicing real estate, but we wanted to talk about a very controversial topic, I would think for most of our listeners and probably a 
topic that gets a lot of negative uh, response. And we want to discuss that and talk about, you know, what the ethics of this mm -hmm. particular process, mm -hmm. which is called wholesaling. Mm. So I am very excited um, because this is, I get, um, and just to give you a little, a little insight into my under, not even my understanding of wholesaling, but as a real estate recruiter, um, I've been doing this 12 years and I end up talking to a lot of agents who, once they get their license are figuring out which firm they want to join. And they'll interview here usually with other firms too. And I've been doing this 12 years and only I would say in Illinois, I'm in Illinois, um, the last two years, all of a sudden I started getting calls from people saying, do you allow wholesaling? Because Illinois uh, did apparently change their, their requirements where Chris and I actually just looked it up. Uh, if you do more than two uh, wholesale transactions in a year, you do need a license. And in the state of Illinois, other states have different rules, but I'm getting a lot of these calls. Um, so it's just kind of seemingly out of nowhere. So I'm very curious to talk about this with Chris, who's uh, a, a journalist, and also a practicing agent. So let's define, maybe to get started, we should just define what wholesaling is for just mm -hmm. anyone who might not be familiar. Yeah, yeah. So um, wholesaling in a nutshell is um, when somebody, uh, a wholesaler, uh, approaches a home seller, and that's usually the way it works. It's usually um, somebody soliciting um, a homeowner, somebody who owns property, um, and and saying to them, "I'd like to purchase your home, and in order to do that, we need to get the home, have a contract for a particular price." And the wholesaler actually doesn't have um, in an, a specific intention to um to execute this contract their goal is to get the home under contract at a certain price and then they go take this contracted price and they turn around and they try to sell this contract or in the business we call this assign they try to assign the contract to another buyer who is willing to pay a higher price than the contracted price so a good example of this is Let's say I am a wholesaler, DJ, you are a home owner. I would approach you and I would say, I would like to purchase your home for $90,000. Mm -hmm. And we, you agree to this, you put the home under contract, we have it in writing, I'm gonna purchase this home for $90,000. And then I take this contract and I turn around and I turn to say a network of investors and I say, I have this contract on, one, two, three Main Street for $90,000. Um, I will sell it to you for $100,000. More likely than not, I wouldn't tell you exactly how much I have it under contract for because what I want is for you to pay a higher price than what I paid for it. I would then, if I agreed to your offer of, or the, the investor's offer of say $100,000, then I would transfer my con my contractual obligations to the investor the total price would be a hundred thousand dollars ninety thousand would be paid to the original seller because that was their agreed upon sale price and then the remaining ten thousand would go to me as the wholesaler so it's not a complicated process this is what we hear of a lot uh, in the in the internet space as arbitrage when you find something cheap and then you sell it for more um, this is a pretty straightforward arbitrage technique, 
but it gets a little sticky in the real estate space because we have licenses, we have regulation, we have a code of ethics, and there's a lot of questions about whether or not uh, all of the above apply to the wholesaling game. So a few quick questions about who gets access to what information. So just to recap, a wholesaler goes to a homeowner, hey, I'll buy your property for X, or I'll put it under contract. I'll buy a, the option to purchase it. But I'm basically, I am not basically, I am I am saying I will purchase the contract for X, purchase the, the, the property. Mm-hmm. Um, then it goes under contract. So the homeowner no longer uh, can really, is going to look for additional offers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that wholesaler goes around to people they know who are investors or, or just anyone who wants wants to possibly buy this property. Mm-hmm. Now, does the home current homeowner who's selling, um, mm-hmm. do they know what the total end price of the wholesaler who finds another buyer, do mm-hmm. they get to see, well, I sold it for 90 and this other person bought it for one fifth one. Well, that would be a, a significant, but, but yeah, mm-hmm. let's just say 150. Would the mm-hmm. homeowner ever know that? That's a great question. And guess what? Nobody knows. There is no regulation around this. There's no requirement for disclosure, at least not on a national level. There is no board or local association that says here are the rules to wholesaling. It is kind of the Wild West in the same way that if you bought a pair of sneakers at a garage sale um, for $10, you would you would feel pretty great if you bought the sneakers for $10 at a garage sale and then put them on eBay for $80. The person who sold them at the garage sale would probably feel pretty rotten about that. And and wholesaler wholesaling contracts typically are uh, not recorded on the MLS. I, I, I don't know mm-hmm. of any exception to that, but that is another reason why that information is often private because you wouldn't get to see mm-hmm. the recorded sort of public or, or the, the record that other agents would be able to see and then maybe the homeowner might see as well. That's correct. And in fact, the, there would be it would be strange if it was recorded on the MLS because wholesaling is almost exclusively done by people without real estate licenses, without the um, tutelage of a managing broker, and without the regulation of a local association. It really is, in many respects, it is real estate, uh, the business of real estate being conducted without the safeguards, without the data, and without the uh, regulation of the industry um, that is uh, so prevalent in what I call traditional real estate transactions. Um, So yeah, you wouldn't see that on the MLS. You wouldn't see the wholesale price. You wouldn't see the investor price. And unless you live in a disclosure state, this is a private sale that um, would never be accounted for on your MLS uh, unless your MLS has some sort of uh, retroactive like tax record um, kind of reconciliation later on. But here's the other interesting thing. In the majority of states, Michigan is one of these states, when it comes to these private sales, it is not required that the township record the specific number that a private sale happens under. It is only required if that number is uh, reached via a, pu- a public sale through a licensed um, a licensed uh, real estate professional. So 
not even going to the tax records would allow you to understand the value of this property as it changes hands. It really is kind of a different side. It is the other side to uh, to the coin of of real estate uh, transactions um, is is wholesaling. So let's talk about the possible problems. Uh, maybe we can just keep them in you know any sort of category, whether it's ethical, uh, legal. Um, we'll just start discussing yeah. what what might be more obvious as an issue and maybe less obvious. And I'd like to start with one that, in case you're not as familiar with wholesaling, a, a not Chris, of course, is, but for our lis- listeners, mm-hmm. one of the tactics that is often used, although certainly we don't want to paint all wholesalers with the same brush, but a tactic that is often criticized that is uh, you know, used enough to become something that people write and talk about for a, a process, a practice that is not well received, which is that a wholesaler oftentimes has no inclination and in, in men, most cases would never have inclination to actually purchase a property. What they're mm-hmm. wanting to do, the way they get paid is they're going to, as Chris said, sell that to an investor. Um, so that's sort of the whole point of wholesaling is not for the middleman, the wholesaler to end up with the property. Um, so what they oftentimes do is they will tell uh, the homeowner that they are in fact going to purchase this property. That is the commitment they're making. And then there's a race against the clock for that wholesaler to find a buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the one of the first criticisms is, uh, there, there's some sort of false, a false pretense here of uh, that I am going to purchase this property, Mr. or Mrs. Seller. Um, I don't know how often a wholesaler would disclose, um, I'm going to make a promise to purchase this, but I'm really not going to purchase this. I'm going to find somebody else to purchase it. And there's really no obligation, I think, on the wholesaler's end, a legal obligation to tell the homeowner this at all. Yeah, that's that's true, though. Um there let's make no mistake in a traditional purchase contract um it, it is it is illegal to enter into a contract that you have no um uh intent or ability to fulfill this is um legally is a tort uh, uh, known as the fraud in the inducement it is it is committing fraud to sign a contract that you have no um, intention or ability or resources to execute. So, and, and frankly, it kind of is a house of cards that starts to fall down pretty quickly. If a wholesaler discloses to the seller that they have no intention of actually buying this, because in doing so a wholesaler would have to say, Hey, listen, I'd like to get your home under, I'd like to have exclusive right to purchase your home for a certain dollar figure. And I know that that dollar figure is under the market value of this home. So I'm going to go and try and find somebody who will buy it for market value. You, I'm going to, I am requiring a contract from you that says I'm going to buy this home for less than what it's worth. No home seller in their right mind would agree to that unless there are some extraordinary circumstances. And even if there were extraordinary circumstances. The home seller is not guaranteed a sale here. They're only guaranteed that the home uh, wholesaler 
will have the exclusive right to look for an investor or look for somebody to assign this to. There is a real chink in the armor of wholesaling when it, you put it on the backdrop of the real estate uh, practice, because in no way, shape, or form is any step of the real estate wholesaling process that I can ascertain anyway, one that offers a fiduciary responsibility to any of the parties. There is no responsibility to the seller to do them, to, 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 to look out for their best interests or even their interests at all. There's no responsibility to the buyer. The only person that matters in this scenario is the wholesaler. And that is completely opposite of what our code of ethics binds us to. Now, what happens if a if a wholesaler does not secure a, an investor with this sort of uh, this contract that they've put in place with the with the current homeowner? Well, uh, there's a handful of things that could happen. They could say, "I've changed my mind. I don't want to buy this." And the seller could say, "Well, hey, we have a contract. You are obligated to buy this." And the seller or the buyer could say, "Well, I don't have the money." And so you can try and sue me, but what are you going to sue me for? I don't have any cash. Right. And laws are typically written to protect buyers um, uh, instead of sellers. So it's usually more of a pursuit that is going to be more trouble than it's worth um, if a seller was to try and bring legal action. Um, a buyer could, if they can't find uh, uh, in an, uh, somebody to assign their contract to, if they are smart, they are baking in escape clauses into their contracts that say, um, I have the right to void this contract um, for no for no reason, uh, for absolutely no reason other than I just don't want to be in it at, up to a certain date, these kind of escape clauses. Um, the other thing that they could do, hypothetically, um, is they could bake a contract, bake into their contracts some sort of, um, I will, you know, at such and such a time, if you are a licensed real estate professional, at such and such a time, if I don't have somebody to assign this contract to, I will list the home for sale uh, for the uh, the price upon, that we have, we've agreed upon. Um, that does happen occasionally, but frankly, it is usually a a scenario of the, the wholesaler just says, "Well, that didn't work out. I'm just going to walk away and move on to the next person that I'm going to try and put under contract." It just doesn't end well for many people, frankly. Yeah. And I will say an oftentimes another tactic that wholesalers will use in order to justify the process is if the homeowner says, well, why wouldn't I list it with a realtor? Um, and the wholesaler might say, well, let me explain to you how realtor fees and commissions work. And if we, you know, figure out what those you know, typical commissions might be if somebody were to sell this property. Well, look, you're actually, you know, going to be paying this X amount in, in fees and commissions. So here's a way to avoid uh, fees and commissions. And I'm willing to buy it right now for this for essentially no fees or commissions. Um, so yeah, if, if you had a, 
uh, a, a realtor, they might be able to get you a hundred thousand, but you're going to be paying possibly 10,000. And now mm-hmm. that's, that, those numbers probably aren't accurate, but, but that's, that's sometimes another tactic that's used to convince that seller or, or homeowner to, to sell the property to the wholesaler right then and there to avoid a lot of those uh, commission issues. Yeah, it's the truth. And frankly, it is kind of a smoke and mirrors sort of um, explanation because it is really hard to it's really hard to justify a wholesaling angle as a benefit to a seller because frankly, the the only way that I think hypothetically this makes sense for a home seller is if the margin that a wholesaler would clear would be less than the typical cost of a real estate transaction. Um, and that margin would then be likely somewhere in the neighborhood of three or 4% maybe. And for most people that I know uh, that that have pursued or are active in the wholesaling space, 10 to 15% is kind of the only thing they get out of bed for, frankly. And so, there just is no, I, I just, there's no math that makes sense to me as to how this, this benefits anyone except for a single person um, in the middle of this transaction who is essentially taking an exorbitant fee to play matchmaker between investor and property seller or property owner. And for, so we might be thinking at this point, well, what kind of owner might be susceptible to this sort of sales pitch from a wholesaler. And I can think of a few examples. Uh, one could be possibly the heirs of, of maybe some parents that pass away, that leave a house to children or other family members who do not ever want to deal with that home again, just want to get rid of it. Um, I imagine wholesalers probably try to find those types of uh, situations and say, hey, I can get rid of this for you very simply and easily. You don't mm-hmm. have to deal with anything. I'm just going to buy it for this. Um, so that would be sort of, I think, a pretty obvious um you know, reason why, why that could happen. Um, another one would be the home is in a distressed state where it's going mm-hmm. to require a tremendous amount of upkeep to get it, to be able to sell, uh, effectively on the MLS, right? So that's another, or perhaps the loan is underwater or the homeowner can no longer pay the mortgage and there's a risk of defaulting on the loan. Um, so distressed kind of situations, um, I would think would be more susceptible where people are just looking to get out and maybe they grab the first lifeboat that comes their way. Um, is, yeah. Do I have a good understanding of that? I think that those all those situations make sense, but I can't. Not a single one of those scenarios in my brain um, is the optimal scenario. Because if, like, let's say you've got the heirs, your parents, your parents just passed away. You've got their house. You need to unload it for emotional or financial or logistical reasons. You name it. At what you know, in what way does somebody saying, "I will." Um, conditionally buy your house, assuming that I can find somebody else to pay more for it than I'm offering you. Like, how does that simplify your life? I can, there's just in, I can't think of a single scenario where having somebody who might buy my house and puts me under contract and handcuffs me and does not allow me to do anything else with my house in the time that they're maybe going to buy it, but not really going to buy it. it. Like they're just, to me, there, there are this, this feels like 
I'm just gonna be honest with you. This feels like a grift to me. This yep. this does not feel like there is anything. There's any upside measurable to the other outcomes that are possible within a real estate scenario that makes sense to people. Is it? Does it happen? Yeah, it happens every day. I'm sure there are there are. It happens more than we have uh, an understanding of because of the lack of regulation and recording. And could it be? I guess hypothetically, an option for some people. Maybe. And there might be wholesalers out there who take a very different approach to this. They might say there might be wholesalers out there that say, listen, I have a network of investors who are interested in homes that match the criteria of your home. I understand that you may have reasons why your home doesn't feel like a candidate for sale. Maybe it is in disrepair. Maybe you are financially in a place where you're concerned that the amount of money that you would get for the home wouldn't cover your loan and it would put you in a, in a spot where you have to bring money to the table at closing and that's just not an option for you. There are a, a, a handful of reasons why a, a homeowner might want to sell and feel like they can't sell. And a wholesaler does have, if they're connected in the right ways, they could have um, uh, uh, value via these connections um, that could provide uh, a home owner with um, the right um, kind of network to execute on their goals. That being said, because of the lack of regulation, you don't need a license. You don't need um, any training. You don't have to, rep- I mean, frankly, this is income that if you wouldn't the uh, there's no there's no form of reporting there's no state regulatory agencies this is somebody stroking you a check uh frankly this is the, there's just so many ways that this goes sideways that you need a like an absolute like a cadre of of virtual angels who decide they want to become wholesalers to avoid the legal and ethical and just frankly immoral pitfalls that come with this scenario in my opinion you know i i completely agree i think we've made the case that this is largely a predatory practice um you know, similar to you know i always think of it more similar to the days before 2008 and nine, where the real estate market crashed significantly, where there were interest only loans, the early 2000s, where people did not have to put, it wasn't a grift per se, but it was a very vulnerable place to be if you went into an interest only loan that might adjust from 2% as your initial rate uh, up to 7%, you know, within a year or two's time. And those those loans aren't even, I think they're still around. Maybe a better example is a reverse mortgage, which which mm-hmm. also is problematic uh, mm-hmm. for a lot of a lot of cases. But we, we I think we agree that this is a, a dubious and 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 predatory practice. You know, and again, I'm sure there's people that would would claim otherwise, but that's just our opinions of it. That being said, um, I will tell you here in Chicago, I'm a recruiter, so I deal with people who are looking to move firms. They talk to usually many firms, uh, including ours. Um, by the time they get to me, it's not usually I'm not the first person they've chatted with. And if they are wanting to go into wholesaling, 
uh, at least here in Chicago, the response I get is the very first question is, do you allow wholesaling? Do you allow your agents to wholesale? And our answer is no. Uh, and the reason for that is the reasons we just mentioned. And in addition, our errors and omissions uh, coverage does not include uh, wholesaling, or I believe it doesn't include, or it's like questionable about whether our insurance provider would cover uh, mm -hmm. an errors and omissions claim on a wholesaling transaction. And we're just worried about losing our license. So we, uh, we don't allow it. And what people tell me is, uh, I, I don't even know a firm um, I'm sure there are that allow it, but none of the large uh, franchise firms, I'm, to my knowledge, none of them allow it. And I've yet to find any firm here locally, even smaller firms that, that do allow it. Again, I'm sure there are some, but it is, it, it is, it, it's become very common that I get these calls because I think what happens, at least here in Chicago, there's a lot of seminars and, and, and courses that people can take where they are told about this practice and it is pitched in a way that is, I'm sure, you know, persuasive, uh, seductive even possibly. Um, and then, but, oh, but you have to really get your real estate license in Illinois to really be able to do wholesaling. Again, I guess you could do up to two transactions um, a year without it. But if you're really wanting to, to make money at this, you'd probably want to do more than that. So you have people that get their license and then they're just stuck going, well, nobody really wants me. And it's like, well, yeah, because you were sort of sold on this, this whole concept and you, and you new agent didn't even know that this is kind of a predatory practice. So um, it, it's just becoming really common. I think the people benefiting the most oftentimes are the people selling these courses because uh, like it just exploded out of, out of seemingly nowhere in the last couple of years. Yeah, it's the truth. And I, you know, one thing that is really interesting to me and something that I hope if you are listening to this Maybe you you saw uh, the the title of this podcast and, you're, and and you don't have a real estate license and you're thinking, well, I want to get into wholesaling, so maybe this will be helpful for me. If you are the sort of person who would be good at wholesaling, now these are the sorts of people who connect well with their community. They talk well to strangers. They are able to demonstrate value of their of their services via their. Um, uh, like a, a smart and thoughtful conversation and can answer good questions, you would do great as a licensed realtor. This is what we do. And in fact, you get to do this with the benefit of also have been able to go to bed at night with a clear conscience, knowing that you are getting paid on average a lot of money relative to um, the the rest of, of the working world. And you're doing so with the best interests of your clients in mind. I mean, if you think that wholesaling is for you, real estate really, I mean, it really could work out great for you. The, the, the last thing I want to say about this, DJ, and, and I think this is important to say, is even though I think wholesaling is mendacious and frankly, um, it's, it's, it's fraud in a lot of ways. It is a, it is a threat to an over-regulated industry that is ready and needs change in order to account for the way that business is done, um, in the 21st century and, and beyond. And though I think that this particular iteration of change and disruption is 
harmful on the whole to most players in the market. Change does need to happen. Regulations need to adjust. They need to be loosened in some places, tightened in other places. We need to account for the way that business is done in the 21st century. And while I don't think this is the way to do it, this is this should be uh, a high sign. This should be a lighthouse on the ocean here that says, hey, look, there are things happening over here and we need to adjust to them. We need to change our thinking a little bit as an industry to account for these different approaches and is this the way to do it? Probably not. But I do think that our industry deserves some disruption and some regulatory change. If this isn't it, which I don't think it should be, we need to think about it in other terms and have those conversations. Yeah, I'll just I'll just end with this as a uh, something that, <laughs> again, I do consider myself a bit outside of the industry because that was not my background was was not real estate when I came on board here and I don't practice real estate. And I have always been absolutely confused. This is a different topic for a different day about real estate commissions and who actually pays them. Um, and that's something that I feel is murky at best, um, possibly uh, uh, not intentionally secretive and sort of confusing, but just by nature of the laws and processes in place uh, and the standards that, that we employ can be mm -hmm. very difficult to understand for a homeowner who's either selling or the person buying. And I always find it interesting to ask agents, how do you explain uh, commissions? you know, to your, not what you get paid, but just what the overall commission is and who's actually paying those fees. And, and it's not a comp, it's not a simple answer. I don't feel. And mm -hmm. that's something we're also, you know, we're talking about regulation and maybe we could spend a whole topic on how to have conversations about what real estate commissions are and, and who's responsible for, for paying them. Um, because that to me is also very confusing. Totally. Totally. And there are, there are so many different ways that we can improve our process just by educating both ourselves and our consumers and being supported by um, uh, regulatory bodies and local commissions that facilitate that education rather than hinder it. So um, if we keep things like wholesaling um, on the fray and um, and frankly, if we overregulate in the wrong ways, it's going to drive people to the unregulated spaces. This is why sure. black markets occur, frankly, so because we we are providing overregulation that prevents the real flow of information, goods, services, and money. Um, and people say like, well, shoot, I can do this better on my own. And I, I know how to do this. And there's no reason that I shouldn't do this. So I'm just going to look out for number one and just do it like this. And that's not the precedent we want to set as an industry. Agreed. Well, we a great place to wrap up. And just as we're wrapping up, want to remind everyone that if you're not already a current reader and subscriber to theclose.com, uh, it is our absolute recommendation that you start reading their content. 99% um, of it is, is free right on their site. And it's good, long form, deep dive articles into how to become a better realtor, essentially how to better improve your business, your skills. It, 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 they go deep. Uh, and, and very few, uh, in fact, I'm not sure of any uh, real estate um, 
blogs or, or, or websites that have this kind of level uh, of journalism um, where it's specifically designed to help agents kind of grow. And um, real quickly, can you just mention your subscription model that The Close has for anyone who wants to sort of see what, uh, what else The Close offers in addition to all this great free content? Yeah, absolutely. If you want to come join, um, if you want to take your business to the next level and you go a little deeper on The Close, you can join The Close Pro. Uh, Close Pro is our premium service. Um, it is uh, the place where we keep all of our fantastic next level courses, our um, resource library, um, access to coaching, access to um, uh, webinars that you can't get anywhere else. Um, we've got a fantastic uh, set of training courses on Facebook and on Instagram and on surviving and thriving and shifting markets and long-term uh, lead generation strategies. It just goes on and on and on. Um, we are looking at um, providing, frankly, the next level of service. If you are, if you like what we do on the close, come get a personalized level up um, um, uh, approach by by accessing the Close Pro. Um, we offer this at thirty five bucks a month, two ninety nine for the year, uh, and there are a ton of things that get added to this service every single month. So come check out the Close Pro, and even if you're not interested in Close Pro, just come come to the Close. We got all sorts of cool stuff going on. Um, including, uh, like really, really great new content that's hitting the, hitting the wire every day. Like, uh, just today we published or yesterday we published seven real estate, excuse me, seven real estate copywriting rules, professional writers swear by realtors. You guys, you're, we're, we're writing listing descriptions and marketing and branding. Come learn from professionals. Come check out what we got this is the sort of content we publish every single day. We're big fans. Everyone should go uh, to theclose.com and read their content, get hooked on it. It will help your business. And it's not the simple five tips to have a successful open house that are things like bake cookies and things you already know. Uh, they go, they like I said, they go deep and wide and they actually, because they, they know if, if the content isn't good, you're not going to show up again and the content is good. So please go to theclose.com. Chris, as always, thank you so much uh, for showing up on, our, on uh, again, uh, in, in really going deep in, in a topic of wholesaling. Um, and for anyone else who, if you have ideas of topics that you'd like Chris and I to discuss uh, at length, like wholesaling, please let us know. Um, but also, please tell a friend about our show. Think of one other real estate professional that would benefit from hearing uh, this, or perhaps send this to homeowners as a way to educate them about wholesaling, people that you know. Um, I also see this as a huge opportunity for our listeners who are agents who think, well, what do I do about this? Educate your customers, your sphere of influence. This is a great topic to create social media content about, make videos about, and really kind of a buyer beware, beware scenario that you get to talk about with uh, everyone you know. So anyway, hopefully this was helpful. Thank you, Chris, on behalf of Chris and myself. We also thank the entire audience for continuing to listen and support our show. And we will see everybody uh, next time. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, DJ.